on the wrestling podcast about nothing. The Kingpin is on the lonely road of faith once again, but we'll be hearing from him a little later on Final Battle and more. And we've got the WPAN's permanent guest host, Brian Fury, here to discuss his return to the ring, my negativity, and his latest stint at the WWE Performance Center. Plus, we'll have your promo about nothing and so much more. But first, tell him, George. I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dementia? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Welcome to the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, episode 139, a production of Crackpot Podcasts. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring, and the kingpin Brian Malonis is on assignment, hitting those highways and byways in New York, Philadelphia, and Connecticut. Ugh. But he'll be checking in a little later on. But here with me now, we've got the owner of Chaotic Wrestling, the owner of the New England Pro Wrestling Academy, the permanent guest host of the WPAN, the comeback kid, Brian Fury. Oh, a little nickname for me now. I like it. Yeah. Can so, I just say... What's that? You've been at my house for a little bit now. Yeah? If this says anything about Crackpot Productions, I don't know what <laughs> is going on. <laughs> <laughs> what you've been going through here to get this up and running has been nothing short of amazing. We record, we're using a uh, Zoom device if any, for any of you audiophiles out there. Okay. And it takes an SD card, which you know a lot of people are familiar with. But I didn't realize, it, it wasn't recognizing the card, and I didn't realize that the SD card that I've been using since the beginning of this podcast is basically cracked open and it's completely useless. Crackpot Productions. Right <laughs> it is. And thankfully, I had another SD card in my laptop, which also doesn't work because I left the charger at the New England Pro Wrestling Academy the last time I was at the school to record with Sunday Goodspeed and Max Smashmaster. So uh, I am squinting beyond belief to read some of this show from your phone rather than a laptop. Yes. You might need to get those eyeballs checked there, buddy. I, I mean, I'm not at Tarzan status, but <laughs> I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. So, yes, the comeback kid. You made your big return. I did. You took a bit of a ribbing from myself, more so from Brian Malonis, oh, the definitely. kingpin. But you came back. How did you feel going into the big match? That was uh, a couple weeks ago, JT Dunn for Chaotic Wrestling in Woburn, Massachusetts. Yeah, I was... Um I gave myself a lot of nerves, I guess, leading up to it. I put a lot of pressure on myself, you know. You know, it's obviously been two years since I've been in the ring. I'm older. I'm slower. I didn't know if I'd be able to remember spots the way that I used to, you know. And, it's, and I put a lot of pressure on myself being in the main event and putting such a high-profile match type of thing together for my first match back and everything. And it was like... In my head, I was like, oh, can I still do this? Is it is it going to live up to expectations? I hope people aren't disappointed. I hope I don't shit the bed, all these things. Until the day of, then I started to feel good. And then when I was out there, I was like, all right, this isn't this isn't too bad. And, and when I watched it back, I was like, I, I didn't like it that much. But everybody else seemed to really enjoy it. So that's all that really matters. Yeah, now that you're talking about it, yeah, coming back in the main event, why don't you just like... 
put yourself under a hood and work in like New Bedford or something like that right, in front yeah, of a few people. Something along those lines. Full body suit under a hood and right. you know, it's kinda I put the training wheels on. But no, I uh just went for the gusto, threw myself right in the deep end of the pool and uh, went for it. So Well we had you on a couple weeks ago, as I was mentioned, uh, you know, we had Sonny at the uh school yeah. and you mentioned that you're hoping to pop a house. Yes. With your big return to the ring, yeah, the main we, event, going for the title. How did that go? We had a, a great house. That was pre-sales were the second highest pre-sales of the year. Um, and then we had a really good walk-up as well. Uh, I don't know if you want to credit that to me or just to the promotion and the way things have been going in general. Either and way, promo- but the promotion goes back to you anyway. So, well, I mean, either way, I'll I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll take it as, as as a positive and and. We got eyeballs on the product, regardless of, of why they were there that night. And you know, leading into Pandemonium in the new year, and as always, Pandemonium starts the road to Cold Fury. Uh, it's 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 a good thing. It's a good thing to get those eyeballs there. And front row's already sold up for the next show too. So that's you know another sixty-five plus solds for the next show, and that's still a couple weeks away. So I mean, uh, things are looking good. Very happy. So you said you felt good out there. You didn't blow up. I didn't. Actually, uh, we I did we did some running spots at the beginning too, and I was really worried that I was going to die. And I think uh, putting the match together, maybe I was a little too cautious of that fact, and that's one of the reasons why I don't necessarily like it that much. I think the pace isn't uh, as fast as I would like it to be, but there were still some running spots and still some good things. And the last third of the match, I think you know, was really, really, really solid. But um. Yeah, no, I was happy. I didn't blow up. I, I didn't look old. I didn't look fat. And and that's uh, really all that mattered to me. So uh, I'm, I'm happy. So the big test, how did you feel the next day? I was I was a little sore. You know, I was a little beat up. Um, certainly didn't take it easy as far as anything physicality-wise. Uh, you know, I don't know if you saw the clip of me doing the dive onto JT down over the barricade out into the first row. I did see that, uh, yes. You know, as well as, you know, numerous other things, Superplex and a bunch of other stuff. So it's like, in that sense, like, yeah, it went all out. And, you know, I was a little sore, lower back, you know, a little little rough. Remember what it feels like, but nothing nothing too bad, nothing major, nothing worse than what I expected. Uh, so, you know, that was good, too. Well, you mentioned the next show, Pandemonium, that is right after the new year. That is the, the fourth Yes. The 4th of January, a January Friday. the 4th. Back at the Woburn Elks Lodge. Yes. And I noticed the main event, Pandemonium, it's a six-man match, kind of like a rumble style almost. People enter at intervals. Yeah, it's basically uh, Elimination Chamber without the cage, if you really wanted to sim- simplify it as much as possible. Two men start, five minutes, and every three minutes another person enters. Eliminations can happen at any time, and then the last person standing uh, gets the title shot in the main event at Cold Fury. Well, what I'm getting at is I noticed that there's one mystery man. There, well, yeah, it's a, it's not like a mystery person. There will be a battle royal earlier in the evening, and the winner of that battle royal will take that last spot. Okay, so there's one more spot to be given. Is someone by the name of Brian Fury going to be in that battle royal, win the battle royal, then end up in pandemonium, then win, then go to the main event of Cold Fury? No. I am not in that battle royal. I will not be in pandemonium. No chance of that whatsoever. Okay, but last minute switcheroo, then you'll end up with the main event of Cold Fury? No, 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 no bait and switch, no uh, swerve, anything along those lines. I will not be in the main event of Cold Fury. Okay, but what is next then for Brian Fury? Uh, right now, nothing is next. Uh, promoting and and building the brand and working on... The fire brand? <laughs> sure, that too. Okay. Um, 
there's nothing in the works right now. Um, nothing at all. So if something were to happen, sure. But as of right now, no, there's nothing going on. I've had some people come up to me and ask me and want me to wrestle or people offered to come to chaotic so they could wrestle me um you know those names will just keep aside until maybe they actually happen but as of right now like no nothing i've i have no desire to be back full time i have no desire to wrestle really any other places i just kind of want to be able to have a match here and there if possible but as of right now there's nothing in the foreseeable future Really, with everything going on in independent wrestling these days, all the opportunities out there. Oh, I mean, don't get me wrong. The landscape of independent wrestling and the way things are looking like going to be growing in 2019, like, I wish... It really I was, changed since you left. I wish I was, like, 10 years younger, seriously, because there's so much opportunity out there, and so many of these young guys, like, they should be hungry and working and trying to grab as much as they can, because there is literally... It's literally a different place from when I left. It's it's crazy to see how much it's grown in just the two years since I've been gone. You're saying right now, nothing on the books, but open-minded? I'm open-minded, yeah. There's nothing on the books. I'm open-minded. You're going to book Chris Masters for a cold fury and get your revenge? <laughs> revenge for my busted ankle? Yes. Uh, no, no, no? I, I will not. Okay, just checking. <laughs> All right, well, that's what's going on with uh, Brian Fury. What's going on? The Wrestling Podcast about nothing. Last week, we did the best and worst T-shirt designs. Brian Fury. Oh, yeah, you did talk about that. All right, I forgot about that. Do you have in mind a best wrestling T-shirt design ever? Oh, boy. See... I didn't hate the all-over designs like you guys did. No. I had the Bret Hart one. I'm sure you did. I had the Shawn Michaels one that had the Heartbreak Hotel symbols and stuff on it. I had Ugh. both of them. WrestleMania 12, I tacked both of them up on my wall when we had a bunch of people over, and it was like the Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels. <laughs> so fantastic. Um, you know, one of the worst ones that one of my buddies uh, actually owned was the Big Show shirt. That just said, was it Big Nasty Bastard? You, you remember that one? <laughs> yes. What a terrible shirt that was. Isn't yeah. there one that was an, just an arrow pointing down like like Big, big Show? Big over or something? Or so, yeah, they're just yeah. pointing down. They were very crude back in the day. What was your favorite design of all time? Uh, I mean, I, it's hard. I used to have a NWO six-pack shirt. So it was like NWO in the front, just had the six ball on the back. Right, right. You know, it was like the NWO with a little extra. It's weird because another another WCW shirt that I had that I loved it was the Macho Man one. Like we had it was like looking through the bars, like he was in jail. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That one was really cool. Um, but I've never been a big wrestling shirt wearer. Even like now, like st I still don't wear like indie shirts or anything like that. I, I never have been much of an indie or wrestling shirt wearer. But there were a lot of ones that I liked. DX one was fine. It was cool. It was just simple. But nothing like jumps out to me as like, oh, this was definitely the best wrestling shirt ever you didn't get enough freebies from various people i know i know you wouldn't buy an independent wrestling t-shirt me but. no i was never one of the i was very rarely one of the guys that would ask for freebies or you weren't a tarzan um tarzan would pay tarzan would pay everybody because that's the way he usually was oh really because he knew what the guys put into it and the guys paid a certain amount he people would never charge him full price but people would usually charge charging like 10 bucks for a shirt or something like that um 
Scotty Slade gave me two different of his shirts, and I never put either one of them on. (laughs) (laughs) And I respect you for that immensely. (laughs) Uh, Well, some people out there on Twitter showed us their terrible T-shirts that they own, actually. Another dumb mark, at another dumb mark on Twitter, says... uh, what did he say? Squint those eyes, Michael. <laughs> he says, I purchased this using real U.S. currency and continue to wear it semi-regularly. This shirt right here. Bro me. Bro me. It is uh, <laughs> apparently the Mojo Raleigh t-shirt. That's the Mojo See, I would have assumed like a Zack Ryder type of thing. It, I think I Well, think maybe it's Mo- when they were a tag team. Perhaps. What were they called again? The... I don't know. Brohemes or something or <laughs> Brohemes? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean but I mean that could definitely be the two of them together, yeah. Well, uh Josh Richards, the Yeti, he is from the, the Irish is from the Irish Whip podcast. He shared with us this t shirt design from Carlito. Ah, yes, yes. Oh jeez. Just sort of say spit or swallow. Yes, and the, like it, the apple with the bite taken out of it. Yes. Do you spit or swallow, it says. Boy. Those Attitude Era shirts. I know we've talked about in this podcast. We had a long discussion about you and the Attitude Era. Mm, hate it. The passion. And yeah, this doesn't really um, make a good case for the Attitude Era, in my <laughs> opinion. What about this Stone Cold shirt? We've talked about how the Austin 316 shirt was, you know, gangbusters. Yep. Blood from a Stone one was great. Yes. How about the Snake for Arms shirt? That one was so awkward. P.W. Peter Winston at the Greetings from Allentown podcast at GF Allentown Pod on Twitter. He brought up the rattlesnake shirt where he's got the two arms made of snakes. I actually like this shirt. It was so strange to me. This was during a period of time that you could walk into like a Kmart or something and yeah. see tons of WWE shirts like available. I, I feel like that might have been one of the ones that was like there rather than at events, but I really don't know. Yeah, a lot of the Kmart shirts were just like a little bit off. But they were official. They were official WWF things, merchandise. They were like a little different, yeah. Yeah, I I, don't, I seem to like. But the thing is, it says it's a hundred percent pure rattlesnake. But he's but it's only his arms that it's are rattlesnake. Arms, yeah. What about the uh, the Stone Cold shirt that was a uh, other side jackass? <laughs> very simple again. That's so great. Again, very simple. Um, how about this shirt? I mean, this is a guy that you're quite familiar with. We talked about independent wrestling T-shirts. And I mentioned last week, Dijak, Donovan okay. Dijak, now known as Dominic Dijak. Oh, geez. Which one Making you- his debut this Wednesday, by the way. Yes, this Wednesday. On NXT. Uh, I talked about his everything runs on... Yeah, the Dunkin' Donuts one, yeah. Yes. I well, hate that one. Is this... Are you- if I had to guess, are you going to talk about the Double Dare one with the giant nose? <laughs> Is that the one you're going <laughs> to no. talk about? So that one, <laughs> uh, Hanson, Todd, kept ribbing him about his nose. Still does to this day. But we kept talked about how um, everybody was doing the um, the rip-off type shirts. And so they used the Double Dare glasses with the giant nose that people used to come out of. And he had like the DD, the Double right. Dare logo, and just wrote Donovan Dijak on it. Didn't sell that well at all. Um, yes, yeah, he he threw a bunch of things against the wall and saw what stuck. And this one right here, Adam Salzer, uh, ring announcer extraordinaire, and he's uh, also on the Nitromania podcast. And TK, the executive producer of the wrestling podcast about nothing, both brought up this shirt. We talked about it briefly last week. The Diamond Dad Jack Yoda. I remember shirt. that. So, yeah, so it says, uh, 
Yeah, feast your eyes, you must. I I do remember that one. Does that count as like parody? I mean, it's just just it's literally a image from like a Star Wars movie of Yoda. Yeah, there's a half Darth Vader, half Dijak in the background. Uh, but how does he get away with this? I don't know. Like, obviously, if somebody saw it, they'd be upset. I'm sure, especially the way Disney is right now that they have it. But um, you know, those types of shirts were huge i even had like a took the fight club bar of soap and then just made it say fury club instead of fight club Uh, it was just one of those things where those types of shirts were really really huge for a short period of time i never even saw like you wear that shirt that shirt i didn't like it that much to be honest with you i thought it'd be a cool design and because those types of designs were big at the time i threw it out there it sold okay it didn't sell great so i didn't get any reprints or anything like that but yeah well, this Yoda Dijak shirt at least sold two. These two guys that <laughs> mentioned it on Twitter. There you go. Speaking of t-shirts, if you want the best in merchandise for yourself to wear, it's BrianMalonis.com. Why not? He's not here. I'll do it for him. You got to. He's got great t-shirts, including the Mastodon design, the original Kingpin design now on yellow with the black lettering. There is the... Other shirt that I'm not remembering it right now. <laughs> and of course... You talking about the Mega Millions one? Yes, the Mega Malonis shirt. And the Curtain Jerker WPAN t-shirt. All at BrianMalonis.com. Plus, go to RRHWrestling.com in the pro shop. You can pick up the Bouncers t-shirt. Beer City Bruiser, Brian Malonis. Doing big things all weekend long for Ring of Honor. And get the official Bouncers Ring of Honor t-shirt through rohwrestling.com and one more website for you to check out the wpan.com that is the wpan.com where you can find ways to subscribe to the wrestling podcast about nothing find our social media links we are basically at the wpan on all social media platforms even snapchat even though i never use it go there follow us and plus you get the uh bios you get the photos. Get those naked pics up yet? No nudes. Nakeds. We're thinking maybe just release it just in time for Christmas. A little something for the people okay, to go. enjoy. So go to thewpan.com for all of that goodness. And on Facebook, the Putting Over Podcasts Facebook group where we're talking about all wrestling podcasts. Just go on the search bar on Facebook. Putting Over Podcasts is the name. Take a look and join that group. All right. All right. Brian Malonis, Friday night, was in New York City. He was. He was at the Hammerstein or Steen Ballroom. He was. In the heart of Manhattan. Indeed. Final battle took place, the biggest show on the Ring of Honor calendar. Yes, sir. And he was there. He was in attendance, and he did wrestle. He did. And we're going to hear about it from the man himself, Brian Malonis, the kingpin, one half of the bouncers, right now talking about his experience at Final Battle. All right, Michael and Brian. It's uh, looking at my clock right now. It's... 12.56 a.m., I guess technically Sunday morning right now. I am on the New Jersey Turnpike. Just left, well, about an hour ago, just left Ring of Honors, Final Battle Fallout, International TV Taping in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And so I am on the New Jersey Turnpike right now. It's been a uh, been an unbelievable sort of weekend here. Long weekend. Uh, still not over for me. I still got... Uh, 
roll into Northeast Wrestling tomorrow at uh, in Bethany, Connecticut. But uh, currently now en route to uh, my hotel in New Haven, Connecticut to get a few hours sleep before that. But like I said, just a unbelievable weekend. Of course, uh, Ring of Honor's final battle was Friday night at the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City. And uh, tonight, again, like I said, was in Philadelphia. Our Ring of Honor's uh, final battle follow. Where, where to begin? I guess take you through kind of uh, my journey through the weekend and some of the things that I experienced this weekend. This is my first final battle, actually. Yeah, I've been around Ring of Honor now for a little over two years, but consistently, uh, you know, a member of the roster since last December. Um, you know, these very TV tapings, the TV tapings right after Final Battle, also again in Philadelphia. The date on those, uh, it's either a day off maybe, but almost exactly a year to the day of when I joined up with the Beer City Bruiser. Um, and and I, guess, I guess a little bit in this, I will talk about kind of my 2018 altogether along with what this weekend kind of culminated in. Uh, so I, I headed out uh, Thursday evening to Newark, lovely Newark, New Jersey. I got a nice hotel room uh, in Newark, New Jersey to get in town early for a Ring of Honor's final battle. Uh, so hit all sorts of traffic. It was a miserable drive. By the way, I've, I've been traveling alone all weekend. So, um, I, you know, being a New England guy, when we're in the New York and Philadelphia area, we drive into these shows. So, uh, and didn't really have any options to ride with anybody. So doing all these drives by myself, uh, just in the car. At least now I get to talk to you guys. And Well, not in real time, I guess. It's kind of silly. I guess I'm talking to myself technically right now, but hopefully some people are going to listen to this and uh, give me their thoughts. So Friday was the, the day of the event. Uh, I didn't have to be to the building till 3 o'clock, but uh, was definitely a little antsy. Just sitting around the hotel. Had some things I had to get accomplished that day. Not the least of which was tickets going on sale for Astromania, March 30th, 2019 in Derry, New Hampshire. If you haven't yet, head over to AstromaniaLSW.com and get your tickets. Cheap plug. Um, but I headed over to the building, Hammerstein Ballroom, about... Probably, I think I got there about 1.15, 1.30, and already just a lot of fans are already there. There's a parking garage right next to the Hammerstein Ballroom, which all the fans have figured out that's where all the wrestlers park. So a lot of them were hanging out in there. Um, so it was good to meet the fans. Always a good time. Get an opportunity to meet the fans, talk to them, take pictures, all that good stuff. So, you know, I don't know. I can't speak for other people, but for me, I, I think that's part of the deal and, 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 you know, cool that anybody thinks I'm important enough to want to meet me and take my picture with me. And, you know, so that's that's pretty cool to see their dedication and their fandom. Um, I never did the before show things and scoped out where people parked or anything like that, but I definitely did the after show, go behind the building and, you know, wait for wait for the wrestlers to exit type of thing, see if you get a glimpse, maybe get a picture, meet somebody. Definitely did that, but um, once I get to the building, I knew what we were doing. I knew that we were wrestling in a three-way tag against the best friends, um, Trent Beretta and Chuck Taylor, and the Kingdom, Vinny Marsalia and TK Orion, two guys who I've basically known since the days they started. So that was pretty cool to go into this match with two guys I had a history with on a, on a personal level, just knowing them and being... Um, you know, being part of their journey since the since the beginning, especially Vinny. I've known Vinny for a long time now, so very cool to to be on that stage uh, with him. You know, at one point we, we thought we were going to be actually on the main pay per view, 
but then come to find out we're actually the the pre-show but still you know still pretty unbelievable to be at final battle be uh be at the hammerstein ballroom wrestle in the the heart of new york city you know thinking about what's coming in april literally around the corner from that building and uh what's on in store for ring of honor and and you know all of us that that may or may not be part of that so pretty pretty exciting of course you know unbelievable card that ring of honor put on but i'll focus on our match here i was you know, very happy with our match. It was, a, it was really a lot of fun. I mean, uh, the best friends and the kingdom, two very good tag teams. Um, and, and I thought we had a we had a hell of a match, and the, and the New York crowd seemed to like it. Uh, it was very cool. Me and the Bruiser uh, made our way from the bar through the crowd, uh, and the crowd really responded to it. The New York City crowd. I mean, I, it was I was blown away from how well they responded to us. I mean, so much so they stood up on a chair and yelled something. I don't even remember what the heck I yelled. Something about you know, hey, New York, or something along those lines. And knowing me was probably, how about it, New York? Um, but, you know, the crowd really came up for us, so that was that was really cool. I think, you know, um, it's kind of, a, it's, it's, it's the cliche, it's a song, if you make it there, you can make it anywhere. But to get that sort of reception from the New York City crowd uh, was, was really awesome. I mean, New York City, other than kind of home, you know, when we get to come to Lowell for Ring of Honor, uh, New York City, just my favorite place to wrestle. Hammerstein Ballroom, just the look and the feel and the atmosphere and the just, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. If, if, uh, you know, if you're a fan, you haven't experienced a show there, I mean, I would highly recommend, um, you know, next time Ring of Honor is in town, New York City, you know, get yourself there, get yourself to the Hammerstein Ballroom, check it out. Just a great overall atmosphere, great building. Um, so just super special. And if you're, if you're a wrestler, that should be a goal to, to play New York, um, you know, obviously again, uh, bigger, you know, big opportunity in April to perform in front of, uh, you know, 20,000 fans or near 20,000 fans at Madison Square Garden, but performing at the Hammerstein, which again is also right there, the heart of New York City, you know, the most famous city in the world, uh, just unbelievable. And a notoriously tough crowd, you know, so uh, for them to respond to us that way is, is super special. We didn't win. You know, but such is such is life. But we had a hell of a match, hell of a showing. Uh, I thought the New York crowd really responded to us. It was truly a lot of fun. Uh, of course, the rest of the card, like I said, was un- unbelievable. You know, I-, I won't go through the whole card, but just I mean, go out of your way to see this show. It's on Honor Club on demand. Um, so go seek out this show because um, just unbelievable stuff. The ladder war that closed the show. I mean, just. The Young Bucks and SCU and the Briscoe Brothers just yeah three teams that uh, the Bruiser and I were no stranger to in 2018. So you know I'd like to think we got them ready, I guess, for for Ladder War at their Hammerstein Ballroom. But uh, very cool stuff. And um, before I get into Saturday night, kind of talking about Saturday. Um, I mean, let's talk about the huge elephant in the room. It's it's the subject that probably anybody who when they think about Ring of Honor wrestling or anything along those lines they're going to think about like oh well, what was happening uh, and that's you know obviously the you know impending departure of, of the elite um, you know I don't think it's a secret I don't think these guys have hit it online at all I think they've been pretty open about the fact that they're uh, going elsewhere um, after this weekend so you know there was a kind of an atmosphere over that where each one of those guys matches 
um, you know, being their last match at, at a final battle, their final, final battle, I guess you could, you could say. So there was definitely, you know, with the crowd especially, just that feeling of, for, for some of these fans who weren't going to go to, you know, Philadelphia, the last time they were going to see those guys in a Ring of Honor ring. So, um, you know, just dress the elephant in the room <laughs> right from the start. So that brings us to Saturday. So get, get back to my hotel. I was rooming, I was rooming with the... World Television Champion Jeff Cobb this weekend, fine fella, uh, really good dude. Love Jeff Cobb, just doing unbelievable stuff out there in the world. Not only Ring of Honor, but also New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, believe he's going to be part of Wrestle Kingdom coming up next month. So just uh, real happy for him, and he's he's a good dude. And I was happy that we were rooming together. So headed out to you know headed out to Philly. Uh, you know got to Philly uh, right on time. You know one o'clock. We had to be at the building at one o'clock for TV. And we had a lot of stuff to film. <laughs> we had a couple couple pre-tapes to film, and then we were doing the meet and greet, and then we had all sorts of things going on on the show itself. So we had lots to do. Me and the Bruiser, super busy day today. Uh, that's why I wasn't able to grab anybody to join me for this and why I'm doing it, doing it in the car at, uh, you know, right, right around 1 in the morning um, because it was just a crazy weekend. And a lot, a lot of, a lot of FaceTime for me and the bruiser and, and a lot of good stuff and really really excited and uh again uh, addressing the the kind of again the elephant in the room with the when people leave a company it just opens up other spots so you know that's the way you got to look at it if you're a talent in a company where somebody has left and there are now uh spots that are vacated you know it's an opportunity um and and that's what you know that's what we have to do we have to take that opportunity now and and run with it and see what we can do but uh, lots of good stuff. You'll, you'll you know you'll see no spoilers, but uh, you know maybe something crazy involving the old kingpin here. So yeah, keep your eyes peeled for that. That'll that'll air sometime next month uh, in January. Uh, you'll see some crazy stuff. I know this weekend my match from Pittsburgh, uh, Big Ten Man Christmas theme tag match uh, aired. So that was that match was a lot of fun. And check that out on Ring of Honor's television uh, tonight on on Fight TV. I believe it streams. Uh, so go ahead, check that out. If you're un- if you're unhappy with Monday Night Raw, download the Fight TV app and and watch Ring of Honor tonight. But just just good stuff all around. And then the night ended, of course, with with the Elite, you know, having their farewell match and all sorts of craziness that'll be unveiled in the Honor Club. But uh, you know, just from that standpoint, um, you know, it's it's always sad when uh, guys you've been around quite a bit that you know you might you know not going to see them as often as as you have been and. I mean, when I think about our match with Cody and the Bucks, and just grateful that we had that match, and you know what we were able to put together, and, and um, you know, really grateful for that. And uh, we'll certainly, we'll certainly miss those guys around Ring of Honor. I'm not gonna sit here and say I'm best buddies with any of them or anything like that, but uh, I think just a really group of just unbelievably talented guys and and just really good dudes. Um, and uh, really gonna miss those guys, and and. and truly wish them the best of luck and you know whatever it is they're going on to next you know the rumors are out there and that's not my job to talk about those rumors so it's not what we do on this podcast i guess but um you know whatever they end up doing you know best of luck to them and uh truly gonna miss them it was always a good time you know chit-chatting and catching up whether about disney or or whatever it is you know uh really good guys and happy for them and 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 they're they're setting the business on fire they're they're setting uh you know you gotta strike while the iron's hot i guess so 
uh, whatever they have to do they think is best and I think all of us got to just respect and wish them well so that's kind of my sentiments on that I don't believe I've shared that before in this podcast but it's you know it's it, it, it is what it is and, and I was taught very young in this in this business that uh, nobody's irreplaceable um, you know it's next next man up and that's the way we got to look at it it's a great opportunity Ring of Honor is going to go on Ring of Honor uh, has survived lots of guys leaving in the past um, just look at look at the roster of WWE and uh, Ring of Honor will go on and I'm looking forward to 2019 with Ring of Honor and what me and the Bruiser can accomplish and the things that we can do I'm, I'm just real excited about that uh, truly grateful for the opportunities of 2018 which kind of brings me to 2018 and uh, just the, the most unbelievable year of my professional career and pro wrestling from the kind of I guess it was technically the end of 2017 but uh, when joining up with the Bruiser but just you know I think about all the matches we've had with whether it be SCU or the Briscoes a couple times or Cody and the Bucks or wrestling in the Hammerstein Ballroom, I think, three or four times and wrestling, you know, main eventing the 2300 Arena with the, with the Elite. Um, just those are, those are moments that uh, I've worked my entire adult life for. I started pro wrestling at 19 and uh, the moments that I've had this year to be able to wrestle on TV to be able to wrestle in, in some of the most famous wrestling venues in the country, uh, to be flown places, to travel and, and, and meet new people and, you know, wrestle in front of new crowds and just, um, it's everything I've ever wanted out of this. And it's been an unbelievable year and, you know, one more to go tomorrow, but from a Ring of Honor standpoint, just an absolutely unbelievable year. And tonight leaving and saying goodbye to everybody for, you know, saying happy holidays, just real reflective and real real grateful for just the opportunity to be around there it's a really special place that locker room is really special the best locker room i've ever been in in my life and, and from the you know from the top down from from jay lethal to the newest guy in the door which for me for me it was me a good part of the year just a really uh awesome atmosphere uh, and one of support and one of we're all working towards the same goal and that's to um that's the you know greater good make the company better so uh really excited to go forward with uh, with all the guys that are that are staying and uh see what we can accomplish in 2019 uh so good stuff man uh, like i said final battle go out of your way to see this and then the tv tapings those will all be coming in the in the coming weeks but uh it's a little after 1 a.m now been talking for for a good stretch here but right now, Mike, I'm going to put on uh, some music and and lay back here, and uh, you know, well, they can't not really lay back. That would be very dangerous while I'm while I'm driving. But uh, going to finish off this drive and get checked in my hotel, and hopefully get a few hours sleep before I do it all again tomorrow. Uh, you know, it's the kingpin on the road. This is becoming like a regular segment here. Uh, kingpin on the road, recording on on his iPhone in the car. So. Uh, I'll be back in a little bit, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for that, Bri. We're back down here at Ringside. Myself, Brian Fury, Michael Crockett. Oh, wait. We're <laughs> podcast? We're not doing commentary? No, we're not. We're oh. not. But thank you very much, yes, Brian Malonis, for your discussion on Final Battle and your ROH experience this weekend. And Brian Malonis... He gave you a hard time. We talked about it earlier, about your return to the ring after your much ballyhooed retirement two years ago. Well, yeah, I think my retirement 
somewhat took on a life of its own. Um, granted, I, I was retiring and, and I wanted everybody to know, but it kind of exploded way bigger than I thought it was going to. Well, when you announce it on a podcast like this, well, yeah, I wanted to make hundreds sure of that, millions of listeners that uh, my pals got the scoop. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, I deserve the ribbing, sure. I'll, 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 I took it with stride too. But when you were tweeting at someone from this podcast and were you were giving someone on this podcast a hard time. It was me. Of course. When you said uh, about the Pro Wrestling Positivity podcast a couple weeks ago, you mm-hmm. said, I should have known that on a podcast titled Positivity, that at Crocsox would be a complete negative troll. Form zero opinions for himself, just whatever he reads. Most miserable person I know. There's nobody on earth that would really dispute that. I was just trying to have fun, Brian. <laughs> Were you? I, from what I understand, not a lot to be excited about in WWE these days. Says who? The general public. The general public. or the public at large. Or like the 15 sheet writers that you follow on Twitter. The sheet writers. The fans. The people, if you yeah. will. As Tarzan says, you mentioned Tarzan a lot. The people. The people. Look, you are 100% negative. You don't even watch the product yourself. You have no idea what's actually going on. You don't watch any of it. I, I don't see understand. clips. I see gifts. Okay. All sorts of little snippets. And those are all negative? Some. Like? What's a negative gif you've seen? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the, the one where Triple H is whipping The Undertaker and they both go into the barricade. <laughs> Okay, yeah, you're talking about that one show, the Saudi Arabia show, which was definitely not uh, the best showing in a very long time. There's a lot to be positive about when it comes to WWE right now. Okay, well, learn me then. Learn you. Yes. So, I mean, first off, Raw, Seth Rollins, he's hands down the best professional wrestler in the world, I think, right now. I don't think anybody can touch that man. And right now, with Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns out, he's getting the front and center push that I think he deserves and I think he should have and getting a chance every single week to show off all of his talents in that ring. Um, he's, he doesn't take off any shows. He doesn't half-ass any shows. He's, you know, anytime you put him in some sort of match with the marquee name, he knocks it out of the park. It's matched with Nakamura. He just had like a 25-minute TLC match with Baron Corbin on Raw Monday. Uh, his various matches with Dolph Ziggler and, and whatnot, like... He's a star. That dude is a real star. He's so over, and, and there's no denying that. Can you? Well, he's very good at what he does. Do you sit down and watch the entire Raw and SmackDown? Because of my work schedule, oh. I don't get to watch all of Raw. I watch at least the first two hours, generally speaking, yes. And you are enjoying what you're seeing overall? For the most part, I am enjoying I mean, granted, there's, there's some segments, but it's always been that way for me. There's always been some segments where I'm like, oh, geez, all right, I, I get it. And there are some times where, okay, I see the same match like five or six times and it makes me want to, you know, gouge my ass out because I just don't want to see these guys wrestle again. But that's going to happen at any point in time, no matter what. So you talk about Seth Rollins versus Baron Corbin last Monday on Raw, mm-hmm. the TLC match. Baron Corbin is getting a lot of flack online for the screen time he's receiving as the acting general manager yeah, i believe general, any general manager that's ever been on the product has had that screen time no matter who it's been they just don't like him so they're going to complain about it 
But you seem to like Baron Corbin, right? I've always enjoyed Baron Corbin, yeah. I don't necessarily like this new role for him. I think they're kind of making one of the largest guys on the roster into kind of um, comedy foil material when he should still be a, one of the bigger guys and, you know, be a strong character. But it, it, that's the role that he's in. That's fine. Like, I, I'm not a, against it. They kind of pinned on Corbin last Monday that the fact that Raw's ratings are some of the worst or the worst they've ever been is because of Corbin, which is kind of genius when you think about it. Well, yeah, it's a great idea storyline-wise to be able to pin that on a heel character that's supposed to be getting heat, and it's great, especially with the way so many fans are insiders and stuff nowadays and see all this stuff. My opinion on the reason why... Ratings are so low when you get a guy like Roman Reigns and then another guy like Braun Strowman, who are their top two people, both not on the product for so many weeks and people know it, people aren't necessarily going to tune in. That would be like, hey, back in the day, we're not going to have Hulk Hogan or Macho Man on our show. You think as many people are going to watch? No, it's not going to happen. Their top two guys are gone. And they're um, putting Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre up there as like two of their top guys now and maybe the crowd isn't ready for that maybe the people aren't behind them the way they should be at this point i guess they're throwing shit against the wall see what sticks yeah yeah, they are they're they're trying different things you know uh, mcintyre and lashley both being pushed as like top level heels it takes time again like granted there's some flip-flopping type of stuff of people and different things but at the same time no matter what the show is, it takes a little bit of time for characters to flesh out and people to really start to buy into or not buy into certain people and stuff. And I think that's kind of what's going on right now. It's a little bit of a shuffle, a little bit of a down period. People are hurt, all that other stuff. That's fine. There, there's plenty of other... Raw's three hours. We've always said since it's been three hours, it's tough. Even when we loved every single thing that was going on in wrestling and we're still just fanboys or whatever you want to call it, like three hours is like, man, this is... You're going to see one person two or three times sometimes, no matter who it is, and it's always been a little rough. So what else is something that we can be happy about when watching WWE these days? One of the thing, uh, one of the thing on Raw right now, I'll say, is Ronda Rousey. Um, she is having an amazing first year as a pro wrestler. The matches that she has had have been excellent, especially for the level that she's at. Her match with Charlotte at Survivor Series was so good. She's had a couple of good matches with Nia Jax. Her match at WrestleMania, you know, the mixed tag, which was like her first match ever, was the best match on that card. She's been awesome. And the push and the people getting behind her and stuff has been nothing short of awesome, I, I think. I think anybody that complains about her or anything along those lines is just doing so just to complain. Not since probably Kurt Angle or someone like that is someone just come to prominence from another sport or another avenue so quickly and True. kind of yeah she hit she, the ground running she came in with a lot of fanfare and she's going to be put into these big positions where you didn't think she'd be able to hang or carry her load and she has done that and then some i think i think she's really performed greatly and then we want to talk about smackdown obviously the new daniel bryan is fantastic i don't you probably haven't seen anything that he's actually done but the promos and and him kind of being himself it has been awesome the w- w- way he's putting himself out there and why he dislikes the people, the fickle people. <laughs> that's his new line. Fickle! Yes. Uh, I don't know if that's going to get over like, yes, fickle. It doesn't have to get oh, okay. over. You don't want him to. He's supposed to be a heel. He's supposed to be, but apparently he's pretty entertaining in this role. He's entertaining, yeah, because he's comfortable in it. He's able to 
kind of say how he really feels and then it just comes off as like a heel like it's it's like when like you talk about angle a minute ago when angle was just himself as this overly good person like it came off as like heelish and douches i mean he's doing it purposely as a heel but it's great it's fantastic so of course you talked about ronda rousey and the person that really has benefited from ronda rousey and they never even had the match at survivor series is becky lynch who's really yes the man who's really uh kind of jumped ahead of the pack in the past couple months yeah she really got over huge from her angle with charlotte and it like exploded how how over she is it's insane and she's gonna have that triple threat at tlc and i think they're gonna build to rousey and Becky Lynch at WrestleMania now, and people didn't get to see it at Survivor Series, and they were bummed, and I think that's where they're going to build to towards WrestleMania, and that should be a fantastic match as well. I mean, I would think so, and do they get that coveted first-ever main event of WrestleMania? I, it's hard to say. I, I really don't know. I mean, Ronda Rousey and if Becky Lynch stays as over as she is, it's a possibility. I'll never say no, but... It's hard to say. I guess it would depend on what everything else on the men's side and stuff is. If Triple H is on the card. Oh, geez. (laughs) So is there anything else that really should excite us for WWE as we head into the new year? I just want people, I mean, obviously, as we head into the new year, it's WrestleMania season, right? Royal Rumble starts WrestleMania season. That's always the most exciting time of the year to uh, pay attention to WWE. Are you going to have a little get-together for the Rumble? Of course. Okay. Just asking. Plus, Vince is on tonight. He is on tonight. I'll say tonight, even though we're recording this Saturday evening. Yes. Uh, so Vince is back. He's ready to shake things up. What do you think that is? I don't, who knows? But they know whenever he's on, people watch because Vince is awesome. So that's interesting. We'll see what happens there. I can't really understand why you're defending the company so vehemently. I'm, it's not look, like... You, you, you ask me questions and I'm answering the questions. I'm not out here defending it vehemently i'm not going on twitter and bashing people that bash the product like other people are but i mean i i I think i know what you're getting at here michael well you know you're just a guy that likes wrestling love it and you like free trips to florida right well who doesn't (laughs) and you were in florida just was about a month ago at this point something like that yeah you were down at the performance center i was you were a guest trainer for the second time yes I was a guest trainer uh, for a second time. Uh, I think it's rare for people to get a second trip down there to uh, visit and guest coach, but I was lucky enough to have that opportunity, and I took full advantage of it. So what does that entail? I think we've talked about this before, your first trip, but what exactly does this entail when you are a guest trainer at the Performance Center for, is it a week? Yes, five days. I was there for Monday through Friday. Um, For me... I was told specifically that I'm going to be working with the newer people, like the beginners class, helping work on basics, fundamentals, foundations, things along those lines. The class that I was helping train is run by Robbie Brookside and Cassius Ono right now. Oh, really? He is helping with the training? He's helping out some. He helped out some, yeah, since Robbie, because Robbie gets bounced around a lot. He was going to Chile. He was in England. He was doing all these other things and stuff, so working with NXT UK and stuff, so Robbie's in and out a lot, so... um, Cassius is kind of helping out. So I was there with him. That you call him Cassius? I call him Chris. But oh, okay. he, I've known Chris for a long time. So so I was working with, with those guys. And then after that class is done, 
I would kind of stick around and bounce around to whatever other classes were going on and help out and give feedback and whatnot. And then there'd be another open ring class. It's just an open ring that Oni Lorcan actually kind of helps run a little bit. Um, but I was helping run that with him, and then I ran it the last two days myself because the week I was there, Wednesday was the last day that everybody was there. All the main roster crew flew out to the West Coast for a couple shows and to get ready for takeover. And there was supposed to be a, another big group of people that were coming up here to the Northeast to do the WrestleMania on sale party. So there's just newer people there. Mm-hmm. So I was just kind of working in like a. It felt feels so deserted with that many people gone. Seven big rings and like only like two of them kind of working. And it's like, yeah. it just feels empty because of how big the facility is. But yeah, I stayed and worked with those uh, beginners and whatnot again. And it's it's cool. It is it's an awesome opportunity. It's an awesome experience. You know, getting to work and pass along some of my knowledge and help a lot of those newer guys and then kind of listen to some of the stuff the other people teach like Scotty Tuhati, Steve Carino and stuff. I got to work with their classes a little bit, listen to some of the things that they teach their guys. And it's funny because it's not too far from a lot of the stuff that I teach or how I teach. So the guys that you know that are down there, they're not in the beginner's class, so you're not exa- actually teaching or working with those guys directly, right? Correct. Well, it's weird because I know like... The whole roster, it feels like at this point, like I've been around with all of those guys, like the whole takeover roster other than Velveteen Dream I've been on or wrestled most of them, which is which is so strange. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had, um, no, there's none of those guys are in the beginner's ring. Although when everybody get, comes down there first, they're always set into the beginner's ring at first, no matter what. Uh, and then after that, they kind of get assigned to whichever other ring that they are in. Now, we talked about with Max Bauer, uh, Axel Keegan, old-time uh, NXT guy, way back in the day on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. Yes. Go back and check that episode out. We talked about the cameras, and he was there from day one of the Performance Center, and it, it is constantly under supervision from the top from what you know you're led to believe yeah, is that it, something that you're aware of when you're down there that the, uh, well, the they, eyes are on you they don't make it a point to tell me but i know that there are cameras there and, and seeing the things i know bloom can kind of see what's going on in the rings from his office and i assume I, I guess there's the tales of there being a live feed to like triple h and or vince at any point in time but it's never anything i've had like any sort of experience with negatively or positively you know it's just a matter of i do what i'm supposed to do when i'm there and try to make a good impression and then go on from there but i I guess they are being watched at all times yeah seems a little weird i don't know if it's weird like it's the same thing as um if you managed a facility and you were at home and wanted to see what was going on you pop up your laptop and check the cameras see what your employees were doing yeah i guess you're just looking at it in a negative light because that's how you work. <laughs> now, um, were there any house shows that week? There were not because no. everything was out on the West Coast. Uh, there was no house shows that weekend. See. I did help train a giant, though. A giant? Uh, seven foot four, 380 pounds. Really? He is huge. What's his name? Uh, Jordan. Jordan. Hmm. At least I hope that's what his name was. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. I don't really remember. Did I show you the picture that I took with him? No. He is a giant. There's no other way to describe him. He is humongous. I literally come up to about his shoulders, and I'm seven feet. I'm, I'm, I'm six, You're seven I'm, feet. I'm six feet tall. So 
what kind of feedback do you get from that? Do you hear from people after the fact? Do people let you know, like, oh, okay, that was good. We'll bring you back. Or or how? what's the vibe after the fact? It is very similar to when you go to TV as an extra. You don't really hear anything. <laughs> um, you know, I talked with, with Bloom, and he said, I represented myself very well. It was great to have me. Um, I think he'd like to have me down again in the future, which would be great. I mean, we'll see what happens or how it goes. I, I don't really know, so... The hope is that, you know, I'd get looked at again, and then if anything were to happen or if they were to start to look to hire new people in the future, maybe I'd be a guy that they would consider, but who knows? You know, at this point in time, I, I don't know. I got my feet pretty well um, entrenched in the ground up here with numerous different things, so if it doesn't happen, it's not a big deal, but if it does happen, awesome. It'd be a great opportunity to be able to go down there and coach full-time for WWE. You, so you would you would take the position if it was offered to you? Of course. So what would happen to your many ventures up here? I would figure something out for them, yeah. But, I mean, time being, I don't have to think about that. All right. Well, I'm available to you. All right. If you <laughs> right, you want to you buy in? <laughs> well, wait, money? Where do you think this comes for free? <laughs> I figured, you know, you keep things going, and I'll keep things going. Oh, you well, know? all right. I don't need another cafe booker, though. You want to be a... <laughs> We'll see. What we, we'll see what we can do. We'll see what we can do. Uh, well, uh, thank you for sharing your experience at the uh, WWE Performance Center. Of course. Uh, let us know what you guys think out there. Tweet us at the WPAN on Twitter with your take on this week's episode. Your thoughts on our discussion here with Brian Fury. Your thoughts on what Malonis is talking about with Final Battle, with Ring of Honor, all that stuff. Use the hashtag WPAN. The best way to contact us is through the voicemail line. Call 401 401- 584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. You will get your voice on this podcast. Give us your thoughts. We will play them right here on the show. 401-584-9726. Okay, before we get on with the show, let's talk about booking the territory, Brian Fury. Let's. You are an uh, old-time guest. I, don't, I should have called you old-time. I don't know make you feel... <laughs> Make you feel yes, a little yes. elderly, but booking the territory, the unprofessional wrestling podcast with your buddy Mike Mills. I haven't heard from Mike Mills in a while. He's out there making those Boku podcast bucks. Oh, all right. He doesn't need you anymore. Being unprofessional. Yeah, he's the unprofessional g- podcast. He's got the big time guests these days. All right, okay. He's got the Cornette. He's got the uh, Tracy Smothers. Ooh. He's got the Sinister Minister. <laughs> all kinds of great guests these days. There you go. So check out Booking the Territory. It happens on Sundays and Thursdays, two episodes a week. Sundays, they're delving into Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Thursdays is the flagship show where they're talking about World Championship Wrestling, the old Jim Crocker Promotions Saturday Night 605 show. MikeMills.Podbean.com is the website if you want more on Booking the Territory, the unprofessional wrestling podcast. Our Vantage Point, the retro wrestling podcast. It's kind of like the northern version of the southern booking the territory with Joe Morata and Michael Quinn. Talking about the better product. <laughs> but yeah, the, nor- the northern product above the Mason-Dixon line. Oh yeah. Everyone loves it. WWF, ovppodcast.com. That is the website to get more information on this great podcast, Our Vantage Point, the retro wrestling podcast. And we mentioned him earlier, PW. He is the host of Greetings from Allentown. His name is Peter Winson. And uh, every week he talks about one episode of wrestling television and weaves in his own stories. It is a uh, crazy trip with our buddy Peter Winson. Check out Greetings from Allentown at GF Allentown Pod on the Twitter. And finally, the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. 
with Jason Stewart, Adam Salzer, Sal, all the rest there on the Rundown Wrestling Podcast feed. Stuff going on all week long. Shows being added all the time. So check out the Rundown Wrestling Podcast feed. Subscribe and enjoy. And I think it's about time for Malonis's holiday segment. I still don't think we have a name for it. Do you have anything in mind? I have no idea. The, the, I said the Christmas Corner last week. Christmas Corner? Yeah, but Malona said that was too denominational. Oh, okay. You need something mm. a little more uh, PC. Mm. This really Merry nothing. Malonis Mingle? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's see what the Kingpin has in store for us this week for the his uh, famed holiday segment. Real quick, you talked about uh, gifts that you received. Yes. Um, so many years ago. Uh, I was, oh, this guy likes wrestling. So I got a beach towel that had like Triple H, John Cena, and Batista on it. And um, I used to use that to change in the locker rooms a lot of times. And people would be like, what the hell are you doing with uh, Triple H and John Cena in a towel? <laughs> I have to tell that story all the time. I was the wrestling guy that got it this randomly for Christmas from somebody one year. Yeah, that is the thing. Like, if you, They find out that you're the wrestling guy in the family. Then you just get these weird gifts, and people think you enjoy I'm them. Like, oh, thanks <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for that. Well, let's see what the Kingpin has in store for us this week. Okay. All right, fellas. I'm on the road home now. Finally, it's been a long weekend. I've been gone since Thursday. Um, had my final match of, of 2018, unless, you know, I don't know. I guess unless somebody comes in under the wire with an offer to do a show. But as of right now, my last show, 2018. My 2018 is in the books. Happy to have a few weeks off coming up here. Um, no doubt. Rest the body. Ease the mind. Come back 100%. And ironically, the uh, when I come back, I'll be working for um, Brian Fury. So Brian Fury goes from filling in to me to being the boss for the nights of me. Um, not that I listen very well, but... You know how such things go, uh, but I'll be returning against uh, JT Dunn, who likes to fancy himself uh, the greatest champion in chaotic wrestling history. But we all know who that is. That's the old kingpin, old number one, number one in your program, number one in your hearts, the greatest of all time, the goat. So uh, I'm back in action. I'm sure Fury's probably plugged uh, that chaotic show a hundred times at this point. Um, so uh, January fourth, me and JT Dunn, a uh, guy who wants to be the goat versus the goat so there's there's that it's gonna be a great match me versus jt dunn i think is uh a great match and one i've wanted to have in chaotic wrestling for quite some time so looking looking forward to it and i think it'll be a treat for all the fans out there but i can't forget mike though the holiday segment our our weekly christmas slash holiday segment that we have been uh have been doing these last few weeks the thing that I've chosen this week, or the subject I've chosen this week, Mike, is holiday moments on uh, in pro wrestling. So we've all seen these themed episodes, whether it's Raw or SmackDown, or they have the different sort of you know funny little skits or segments or matches or or, or whatever it is. And you know, the WWE likes to do this quite a bit. Other companies like to do it as well. I just actually myself participated in. Uh, Christmas theme match, which will be on Fight TV tonight for Ring of Honor. So check that out on the Fight TV app tonight. I think it streams at eight o'clock. Um, but how ironic is that, Mike? What uh, the subject I've chosen uh, is something I just participated in. Hey, maybe that'll be my favorite moment. No, I can't imagine uh, 
how your head would explode if I if I if I chose that as my favorite holiday moment. My favorite holiday moment uh, goes back. We'll go back to the Attitude Era, Mike, and it's something uh, I don't know. I feel like people get so offended by everything these days that this might be something that uh, would get people all jazzed up and all pissed off and. And Lord knows who, you know, Lord knows what, you know, maybe calling television stations, but I'm talking about the beer swilling, foul mouth, middle finger flipping, Texas rattlesnake himself, Stone Cold Steve Austin, giving the business to jolly old St. Nick, Chris Kringle, Father Christmas, Santa Claus. That's right, my favorite holiday moment is Stone Cold Steve Austin stunning the hell out of Santa Claus. So there you go, boys. Uh, hopefully I'm not springing this on you. Hopefully you're prepared and it's entertaining what you're going to say. I'm sure it will be. But go ahead. Give the fans yours. Talk about it. Talk amongst yourselves. I'm going to go back to this drive and uh, look forward to being uh, back in person with you next week, Mike. And hey, uh, you know, Fury, I guess I'll see you. Oh, I'll see you. I'll see you soon. All right, so he's talking about the best Christmas-related wrestling moments and angles, and he kind of took the best one, I think, probably the one that pops to a lot of people's minds when they think about Christmas and professional wrestling. That is uh, you know, the Stone Cold deal. I was in attendance. You were in attendance? Where was that? Second row, Durham. Durham, Durham New, New Hampshire. Hampshire. It was a tape draw. That was... um part of the mega wrestling weekend me and my friends called it we had first row loge for the dx pay-per-view i was there we had sixth row floor on the hard cam side for live monday night raw in portland maine mm. that's when um the headbangers got put through the little poker tables by dx and then then there was the taped raw at durham that tuesday so we went to all three events we had second row seats straight across from hard cam um, Did you get your Backyard Federation poster on camera? Yes, all, oh. all, all three nights. In the WWF magazine, too, uh, when uh, Stone Cold was doing the stunner to D'Lo on the uh, truck. You can, If you look in the magazine, it has Kane on the cover. You can see my Backyard <laughs> Wrestling Federation sign up there. Yeah, it's pretty funny. So the main event was Shawn Michaels versus Ken Shamrock. Yes. And Owen Hart made his return that night. And I'm yelling, Owen, Owen, because my buddy Dan didn't know who that was. And he thought I was saying Oleg, who was another former UFC fighter, Oleg Taktarov. And he was like, why the hell would Oleg come up? Well, is he a is he new guy helping out Shamrock? Like, we were really confused. Why are you saying Oleg until he realized I said Owen? And then he just took off running. And I didn't see him again. And he said he he hugged Owen down into like the the, the ramp with, with, where he escaped, and then the security had to like take him out. Really? Not like took him out from that underneath area. Yeah. <laughs> so bringing it back around to Santa, that Santa Claus was Ray Roy, a local independent wrestler, which I can't believe he he was given a speaking role. But I mean, you you hear you hear the like the bad Boston accent. Um, but I think some people online say that it was Chris Duffy, but I can tell you it was it was Ray Roy, also known as Roy Raymond, and also known as Pierre the Mountie. I don't know if you've ever heard this story. I've, okay, I've heard of Pierre the Mountie. It's a guy, this guy, Ray Roy, got basically a duplicate outfit that the uh, Quebecers would wear. Yeah. You know, the sleeveless, your Royal Mounted Police outfit, and he called himself Pierre the Mountie and basically 
duped people into coming to shows. I mean, I don't know who go to the shows just to see the Mountie. I actually <laughs> saw a poster that said Jacques the Mountie, too. So maybe he called himself Jacques the Mountie at one point that, to really. Yeah, that'd be a major ripoff there. Right. But now he's he was Pierre the Mountie, which was basically PCO. Uh, he was Pierre, right? right? Yeah. So, yeah. He, I, he, how could you? Like, why wouldn't you just be like Francois? Yeah, just be something completely different. But he, that was him. That was him. That's what he did. But better than being doink, I guess. <laughs> were, were you ever a doink? No, I was not. Did I you ever wrestled, wrestle a doink? I think I wrestled a doink once. Who was it? Might have been Sweet Scott. Scott Ashworth. Yeah, I he was. A, he was a mainstay doink in this area. Yeah, he was. He was very funny. All right. Well, uh, speaking of the greatest Christmas moments or angles. Mine isn't really a moment or an angle per se. No, brother. Just a gentleman, a man by the name of Santa Claus. Oh, jeez. You can't be serious with this. This is memorable. It's memorable. I'm not saying for good or for bad. I'm saying for bad. But Santa Claus was a memorable gimmick. And I seem to remember he appeared on like Superstars like after Christmas. From what I remember, it was I like... I don't remember when it was, but... It was like two days after Christmas, from my recollection, he appeared on Superstars doing, you know, a squash match, and that's all I remember seeing of Didn't him. Didn't he have Million Dollar Man with him? Yes, because Million Dollar Man, you know, he is canceling Christmas or whatever the fuck it was. <laughs> but, it, it, of course, it was Balls Mahoney, the future of Balls Mahoney, and I always got the feeling that... This really wasn't planned out much in advance because he didn't have time to really grow a beard. He just had really like it was was not a long beard at all. It was just black, scruffy, like unkempt mess on his like, face. So like Balls Mahoney. Yes, basically. And he had red and black instead of red and white. You can go check this out online. I'm sure it's on YouTube. Uh, Santa Claus his brief run, but yeah. you th- you think they'd at least get a month out of him like Right after Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving and kind of at least have one big angle, but nothing really came of... Gee, I wonder why. Sounds like such a great gimmick. <laughs> so you didn't really enjoy the Santa? No. Nobody did. And of course, you, the negative Nancy that you are, had to come up with something that... Negativity in this segment. I'm just saying it's memorable. It's, it's something yeah, that it's comes to mind. For all the wrong reasons. Of course, Malonis took the best one, so we're we're, well, yeah. we're scrapping here. This we're trying to find segment, something. Of course, it's going to take all the primo content. <laughs> all right. So, what do you think for, as far as the best wrestling angles you can remember that are Christmas related? All right, mine's more on the local independent level. Okay. Mine uh, happened at an NECW event, and it holds a special place in my heart. Santa Claus was at this event all night. He was walking through the crowd, giving presents and stuff to kids there, handing out candy and candy canes and whatnot. A kid was sitting on his lap and telling him what they wanted for Christmas and all this other stuff. And then during the main event, he stuck a fork in Alex Arion's head, (laughs) making him bleed everywhere and revealed himself to be None other than the mofo Steve Bradley. And that was actually the first night that I ever met Steve before I had ever gone to a school or anything. Um, and he was fresh off of, you know, he, yeah, he just like, left WWF. Yeah, that was like his return to the area. Uh, he had his school going, but he didn't have anything going with WFA or anything yet. So he was 
training people at the time, but he hadn't done anything on any shows or anything like that. So that was his debut. But he was Santa all night, and everybody thought he was Santa. And then sure enough... They thought he was the Santa? Well, you know, it was Santa. Okay, yeah. There's only one Santa, but there's like, you know, Santa has people that help him out and work at malls and things like that. Uh, this guy was just working at NSW for the night. But it turned out to be none other than... The baddest mofo on the show. Who's your daddy, Steve Bradley? <laughs> Who's your daddy, Steve Bradley? I remember that nickname. Uh, <laughs> of course, we talked about Steve Bradley at length on a number of podcasts here. Go back and check those out. But where did the fort come from? Was that something that was a gift that he took back from a kid? No, he or? just had it on him. Okay. And just started, uh, so yeah, he was jabbing him first, and then he took everything off to reveal himself as uh, Steve Bradley. Pretty crazy stuff. And then he wasn't really long for NECW after that, right? Uh, he was actually around um, quite a bit. Kevin Kelly was booking at the time, and he had a long angle with Alex Arion. There were different, various different run-ins and stuff. And when the time came for him to actually wrestle Alex, Steve was not feeling well that night, and he wanted to push it back and do an angle that night. And Sheldon and a couple people were like, no, like it has to happen tonight. So Steve was pissed off, and they he called a quick, like, two-minute match where this was, like, eight months of buildup where, like, Alex was getting destroyed, like, every show, and Steve was in a bad mood and hurt and not feeling well that night. He did a quick two-minute squash match where he just <laughs> lost to Alex in, like, two minutes so from, like, a stunner and something else and a splash and whatever <laughs> and just got out of there and grabbed the stuff and left, like, before payday or anything. He was just pissed. And then he was not long for any CW anymore after that. <laughs> and how long after that was the WFA? I think it had kind of started around okay. that time. I think it had already done a couple shows, yeah. Because I knew enough to be like, oh, brother, this, is, this isn't good. I was like, I got down yeah. in the locker room and Steve was just not happy. Yeah. All right, so those are our favorite holiday-related moments and angles uh next week i guess we will have the christmas eve edition and we'll talk a little bit more with the kingpin get his final segment i would think for the uh holidays here it is time for this week's promo about nothing though brian oh i can't wait but before we get into that i guess are you hitting the highways and byways i'm not chaotic wrestling is crisscross this great nation of ours well they're in the northeast area plying your trade as a professional wrestling promoter i am and you've got a date, right? I certainly do. Friday night, January the 4th in Woburn, Massachusetts. Chaotic Wrestling presents Pandemonium. The Road to Cold Fury begins that night, Michael Crockett. Kingpin Brian Malonis will be there as well. He will be. In a special featured match. He is. For the championship. Against JT Dunn. For the Chaotic Wrestling so he's getting your championship. Yes, I... I, uh, I you softened them up. up. <laughs> exactly. But also Pandemonium that night. Uh, five people have already been announced, and the sixth person will be in, figured out that evening. And the winner of that match will face whoever the champion may be at Cold Fury. So it'd be a great Christmas gift to get your tickets for Chaotic Wrestling at ChaoticWrestling.com. ChaoticWrestling.com, yes. Yes, indeed. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, indeed. <laughs> you could be there on the 4th of January, Friday night, the Woburn Elks Lodge. Seven, eight o'clock bell time. Eight o'clock bell time, as always, Michael. All right, excuse me. All right, well, uh, if you want to book the Kingpin, or if you want to book Brian Fury, how do people go and book <laughs> you? Uh, don't bother trying, but um, if you want to come to Chaotic Wrestling events, go to chaoticwrestling.com. All right, well, if you want to book the Kingpin, Brian Malonis at Comcast.net, or you can DM him on the Twitter at Brian Malonis. 
All right. It is promo about nothing time, Brian. And the year is 1987. Oh, all right. And we're going back south. Not to World Championship Wrestling, not to the NWA, but to Memphis. Oh, all right. The CWA, Memphis Wrestling, where we meet a gentleman named Mark Galeen. Galeen, eh? Yes. And he's going to introduce us to the next best thing to come to Memphis Wrestling. Let's check out this week's promo about nothing. I'm Mark Gulin of the House of Gulin, and I am aware that there were many skeptics among you, those of you who did not believe when I described the awesome powers of the mighty T. Joe Khan. Many of you have witnessed the total devastation of anyone who has opposed him in the ring. And now, ladies and gentlemen of the wrestling world, I bring you the mighty T. Joe Khan the Great! Look at him! What an animal! He's able to run the 40-yard dash in 3.5 seconds! And you think your football players are fast and tough? He will pick his teeth with their bones! Ah, the mighty Tijo Khan! Ah, and what an animal! But ladies and gentlemen, I have a surprise coming for you. You must remember Kamala. Well, I have found a man who will make Kamala pale. This man is totally awesome. I found him on one of my trips to the darkest portions of Africa. I will tell you more about him later, but you will see him in the coming week. Your Mamba, the jungle savage. Yes, Brian. I can't quite place that accent. Uh, can you? So kind of- you hear that voice. Yes. And if you were to picture, without looking at this guy, what this guy looked like, it certainly wouldn't be what this actual guy was dressed like and looked like. Yeah, he's very well dressed. He had like uh, you know, blondish feathered hair, like shoulder oh, length. Yeah. Dangly earring, bow tie. Yeah, a nice beard, nicely trimmed. What in the world? <laughs> Can you describe the scene? Where is he when this is taking place? He is standing on the edge of like a little little mini precipice like out overlooking like a lake. Yeah. Where that guy jumped out of the lake <laughs> and looked like he was like scrambling to run out of the lake and fell. And then he ran a little, I guess, a 40 yard dash next to two little trees that were built there. <laughs> like, no, not built there, but like growing out of the ground there. Like, such an odd placement for that. Yeah, you're just kind of standing there in the water. And this guy just pops up out of the water. It looks like it was filmed like not together, like two different times, because Markeline says, Here he is. And he points kind of off camera. And then there's a close up of him coming out of the water and running away. They're never seen in the same frame at the same time. Nope, not at all. So Markeline uh, introduces Tijo Khan. You remember Kamala? <laughs> I do remember Kamala. <laughs> He'd make Kamala pale. So that is that would be a feat. <laughs> that, that would be a feat. I would like to see that. That is amazing. Uh, yeah, I, I, we'll come back to Kamala's uh, next big challenge. But they have forty yard dash in three point five seconds. He says. You think your football players are big, tough, strong, and fast? Yeah, I, I looked it up actually. The fastest forty yard dash. 4.22 seconds in 2017 by John Ross of the Washington Redskins. Wow. So T.J. Khan still in 87, 
faster than this guy. That's uh, impressive considering this, the amount of muscle this guy had on him. He he did. He was very uh, well muscled. Look, look at this guy. <laughs> he's got a, a mohawk with it comes to a ponytail in the back. Nice uh, braided ponytail as he jumped out of the water. Yeah, and he's got uh, some nice facial hair. He's uh, supposed to be from Singapore, I believe. He is just a regular old white guy in real life. Yeah, just looks like some jacked up white guy. So he later worked actually for Jim Crocker Promotions and the AWA. Tijo Khan, not uh, very good in the ring, but based on that uh, jump out of the water, good in the water. I wouldn't assume he had no. Good, you don't think footwork. he's good? No, <laughs> he was almost falling forward. They couldn't. That that was the take they decided to use. Well, I guess maybe even Mark Galeen doesn't really have much faith in Tito Khan because he moves right on right after he runs out of the water. He runs out of the water. By the way, we we didn't really say he just runs. Off into the distance. Yeah. He never approaches Mark Lee, just runs away. He's like a monster let loose and just goes out into the woods. And they're like, all right. Yeah, Mark Lee's like, fuck him. Let's move on to the next big challenge uh, he had no for choice. Kamala. He had no choice. The guy was gone. Well, I guess I'll talk about somebody else now. So, Yomamba, the jungle savage. Yeah, I, I have no idea who that is, but he's going to make Kamala pale. Well, it's a really big thing on the 605 Super Podcast. You're probably not familiar with that podcast, no. but it's a big podcast where they've kind of tried to come up with the, figure out the mystery of Yomama the Jungle Savage because he apparently did wrestle just once and no one knows who played the character. There was no, it wasn't on TV. No one has uh, found photographs of this match, but there's this so one like, fabled match. He's like Bigfoot. Yes. All so right. no one knows who Yomama the Jungle Savage is. Even all the guys at the 605 Super Podcast have been looking for years to try to free this out but they haven't been able to wow so your mama the jungle savage still a mystery and the funny thing about this mark galene he has a connection to Shawn michaels oh all right he managed the midnight rockers in memphis and that was their first heel run in the business so the first time Shawn michaels was a heel he was managed by this goofball is he doing that uh accent he was so awesome. Shawn Michaels, why don't you come here? Yourself <laughs> and Marty Janetti, why don't you join us here with Tijo Khan and your mama the jungle savage? You'd think he was, yeah, it was like, like Prince Nana type of, <laughs> type of thing. No, yeah, there's no no crown, just a, a nice suit. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, he looked sharp. He did. I, again, I would not think that would be the voice that would come out of him, but hey. Well, take a look for yourself. You heard this promo about nothing. If you want the full picture, find the link to the video in the description of this episode or at the WPAN.com. That is the WPAN.com. Brian Fury, thank you so much for your assistance this week with the Kingpin on the Road. Glad I thank could help you out. for uh, letting me come by and uh, being part of the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I love uh, having my uh, permanent guest seat availability to be filled that makes sense something like that <laughs> you are at x brian x fury x on yes. twitter right Yep, nice and easy <laughs> yeah nice and easy brian fury with an x at the front middle and end Not that all right difficult. well follow him on twitter yes please do and we are back right here next monday for episode 140 of the wrestling podcast about nothing till then for the absent kingpin brian valonis he's brian fury i'm mike crockett Big ups to Mucko, and thanks for nothing.